0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. 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 do your life. You better create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Beautiful people, what's going on? Happy Sunday. This is your host with the most, Kevin Y. Brown. We are at the Create Your Life series. Happy to be here with you. Uh, The weather is a little nice outside. You know, got that cool breeze going. Uh, Fall is officially here in New York City. Uh, Today's uh, episode of the Create Your Life series is going to be pretty interesting as we are going to uh, dive a little bit deeper into who it is that I am. I've received a lot of questions from different uh, listeners about Myself and you know they're saying they love absolutely love the interviews, but they also want to know more about me. Who am I? What is it that you know drives the Create Your Life Series brand along with the rest of the team? Uh, but before we jump into that, let's go to our catch up. So recently, uh, over the last week, uh, last week, week and a half, um, I've had the opportunity to do some reflecting and actually go back to the, to the drawing board with some things. And you know that, that quote that uh, Eric Fonger, the CEO of Free ATMs, who was our first uh, interviewee here on the show, what he said was, iron sharpens iron, and if you're not sharpening, you're resting. You know, yesterday I heard from a friend, John Cotto, he said that if you're not growing, then you're dying. And so with those uh, motivations in mind, I actually decided to enroll in a, in a business plan course just to sharpen up the business plan that I already have. And then I also I took the opportunity to go down to the uh, Small Business uh, Association uh, administration in here in New York City, which they have one all over the country. They have locations all over the country. So if you need some advice or anything like that, then you should definitely do that. Uh, use that free government resource. But I actually went to SCORE, which is a uh, subsidiary of the SBA and I actually signed up for a mentor. I felt like I needed a new mentor. And the beautiful thing about the mentors there at SCORE is, is that they uh, are, business, former business owners are business executives and professionals who are retiring now, volunteering their time, and who want to see other people who are in the prime of their business or in their businesses succeed. And So I very humbly uh, went ahead and signed up for these services and now we've got the ball rolling. So those are my examples of really taking a step back and looking at where I was in my process and how things are going and understanding what my goals are, how big they are, and reaching out and going to find the resources and the tools in order to make those, the dreams and the goals a reality. And so there's also another resource, the Small Business Development Center. I also signed up uh, for for a session with them, which I'll be attending uh, sometime this week. Um, I'll get the exact date tomorrow, but This is important because if we want to be sharpening and things like that, we have to step out of our comfort zones and actually go to people who can help us or who are going to push us and make us better. So that being said, let's jump into these questions. I have a list of questions here in front of me from different listeners. And so I guess we're going to start with uh, number one. Number one, uh, what is your biggest fear? My biggest fear, I would have to say, is not reaching my full potential, that, you know, that, the thought of that just drives me uh, so far. and makes me really get up every day and, and try to push things to the limit because at the end of the day, you know, when I'm old and I'm 90 years old, 80 years old, you know, hopefully having grandchildren running around, you know, I want to have these types of stories and things like that. About life that I can tell to them, but I also want to feel fulfilled, and that—that's my biggest fear—is that I, you know, that I w- will not be able to to maximize my potential and results, and so therefore I'm getting up every day actively to make it make some things happen. Um, another question: If you could witness any event of the past, present, or future, what would it be? I would have to say I would really love to see Michael Jackson perform live that would be amazing i feel like he's probably the only person that i would perhaps get starstruck by and i'm not i don't really get starstruck so <laughs> that would be very interesting you know to be starstruck but i would definitely like to see him perform to see him perform live and actually meet him i would meet, mean a lot to me uh, what another question what drives you uh the most well, I guess that's on the kind of like on the same lines of what what my biggest fear is. What drives me the most is I wanna I wanna be fulfilled, you know, so if ever, you know, blessed enough to to have uh a family or when I'm older, you know what I mean? I wanna feel like I, I did, you know, my part. So how do I stay motivated? It's another question. Hmm. Motivated. I stay motivated by keeping really good people around me. And then I also stay motivated. Uh, One of my bigger motivations is the fact that I understand that where I came from, there's no, like, I can't go back. You know how some people, they can go back and go and live with their parents or stay with family and things like that. I don't have that option. So there's no plan B, oh, I'm going to go back home and, you know, sleep on my sister's couch or something like that. That's not, it's not an option. So that's always in the back of my mind. So I know that I have to push forward because there's no going back. And so, my friends, they really motivate me. Also, when I'm reading stories, reading books about people who are successful and how they've done it, then that motivates me because it makes me think that if they could do it, then I could do it. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of hard work and then polishing up on particular skills that make you uh, the, the best or make you your best. Uh, another question What is your favorite or what is your outlet when you are frustrated? <laughs> when I'm frustrated, I would probably say if, if I feel like things are, is too much going on at one time, I'll probably take a 15 to 20 minute nap just to escape. Uh, <laughs> just to escape the, the thought of it and then I can come back to it. Uh, silence is also uh, one of my reactions when I'm frustrated. So I would say that those are probably my two go to's, my naps and, and silence. You know, I'll definitely go and uh, sit by myself. Uh, what is my favorite quote? Wow, there are a lot of those. My favorite quote <laughs> I would say is, I am the brand I say I am, which is a quote that I actually made up, <laughs> funny enough. But it, it means that you are in control of your destiny. And I feel like that's one of the bigger things that I had to learn and that is the purpose of the Create Your Life series and the work that I do overall in life, whether I'm traveling and speaking in Japan, Australia, uh, anywhere in the world, or just interacting with people on a day-to-day basis, I always want them to, to leave feeling that they're empowered and that they can literally do what they want to do. And it's funny because about a week ago, I received a, a DM via Instagram from a young lady and she said, hey, Kevin, do you remember me? And I said, I believe so. Can you tell me where we where we met? And she said, yes, at the International Foster Care Conference in Japan. This was three years ago. And she said that, you know, she remembered what we talked about. Mind you, she doesn't, uh, she's not necessarily fluent in English, but her English is pretty good on, on the, uh, the message. And we talked back and forth. And she told me that she was, you know, studying and that she was uh, doing nursing and that things were going well in her life and that she was actualizing her dreams, creating a life that she wanted for herself. And that's what I Am The Brand I Say I Am is about, is really empowering people to do what it is that they want to do. And even my foster care brothers and sisters there in Japan, you know, they understood the message. And that was a very interesting time and presentation because they were, I had a translator there in the room. And if anybody knows anything about Japanese, speaking Japanese, if I say, hi, my name is Kevin, Hi, my name is Kevin. That's five words, but in, in Japanese, it takes a lot longer in order to say it. And so I had to literally say part of, part of a point or say a point and then wait for it to be translated and then go into the second part of the speech. So it was definitely an interesting uh, time there in Japan. And then the funny thing is, is that I actually, I spoke with adults, with the professionals for my first presentation, I had a second presentation back-to-back. And so for the second presentation, <laughs> there were supposed to be youth. It was supposed to be all youth. But then one of, the, one of the people associated with the conference came up to me literally at the time that my conference was supposed to, I mean, that my second workshop was supposed to start. And they said, hey, we're sending the youth to the bowling alley. You're going to have an adult session. Now, the adults who were already in my first session, they liked it so much that they actually stayed in there. So that means that I, I had the people who were already in my session, along with more people who came in, because I had prepared but for hours and hours and hours. I literally made up a, another 90-minute presentation that had to be translated from English to Japanese on the spot. And we had a very successful Presentation and this young lady who DM'd me, she, her mother had actually brought her into my second workshop because she thought that it would be very empowering for her. So, again, that I am the brand I say I am is my favorite quote. Uh, what is my best memory? Uh, this I'm going to be 100% just thorough. The best memory that I ever have are uh, one of the best days of my life. I would say, was June 17th, 2007. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I I grew up in foster care for over 17 years, and my older sister and I, we grew up together up until the age I was 10. Now, this is the only person that I know, like very close to her, number one in my life, but we didn't look alike. And so that always kind of like bothered me. You know, I always wanted to have somebody that I looked, you know, that I favored. And so <clears throat> I found out who my father was in 2006, but didn't really uh, go into any detail. I just heard who, what his name was. And so in April of 2007, I began to, to reach out uh, to his biological I mean, to his family. So I found out that he was deceased. He had been deceased since I was nine years old. And so I had to call my older sister's dad in order for him to find, apparently I had a brother's, in order for him to find my brother and the projects in San Francisco so that he could call his grandmother so that she could then call our grandmother, who was our dad's dad, and so that I could get in contact with them. And I just wanted to, I wanted to see, find out who this guy was that people are saying is my dad. And so we call, basically it takes me two or three weeks to get my sister's dad to find the guy. I have to literally stay on her about it. And so I stay on him about it. We, I get a hold of my brother. Then now that I have his number, I'm calling him and calling him. And so we set up the phone call and we call his grandma. She gives us the phone number. And then we call our grandmother and she's away in Arkansas. So leave a voicemail on her phone. And I say maybe about two weeks later, she calls me back and she says, hello, may I speak to Kevin? And I say, "Uh, this is he. She says, "Uh, I hear that you might be Jimmy's son. And I say, well, that's what I've been told, but I'm not sure. And so we pretty much set up, she asked for some pictures of me. And so I sent over, I emailed over some pictures and she literally, she sent them out to her children and she was like, and his brother immediately called me, well, my uncle, immediately called me and said, you're my brother's son. And I'm like, yeah, okay you know, I'm, I'm not really buying it. I'm like, well, where's the, I need to see what this guy looks like. He's like, you look just like this guy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well, who is this? Who is this guy? And so that's, that's April. We we follow into May and, uh, and they actually sent me something. I'm like, can I see a picture of this guy? Who is he? You know, what was he like? All of these different questions I have, you know, because all the time I'm growing up, you know, in foster care, you know, you you, you always have a foster care mom, but you never have a, a dad. I had a dad, a foster dad for a few years, for about five years, but I always wanted, you know, my dad. That was always a longing that I had. And so he, I received his, the first time I ever saw his face, I received his obituary and it was on this purple uh, piece of paper, purple card. And so I'm looking at it and I'm kind of looking at the picture. I'm like, oh, well, you know, this guy is, you know, he has a wise smile. I have a wise smile. I'm like, yeah, but not really. I don't, I don't think we look alike. And so his his family is, my dad's family is so, so in, just they just know that I'm his son. And so they actually arranged for me to come and meet. I had two other cousins who were actually graduating the same year um, in Portland, Oregon. So they arranged for me to come and fly me out to Portland, Oregon so that I can meet everybody. And I'm kind of like, uh, this is going to be interesting. And so I'm there. Uh, so, of course, I'm talking with my grandmother and talking with my uncle and aunt. Of course, the, this is in quotation marks at this point because I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't know. This dude doesn't really look like me. You guys want me to be a part of your family. As a foster kid, it's like, you know, some people want you to be a part of the fam, some people don't. So you just kind of, you know, you take everything with a grain of salt. And I fly to Portland and I'm hanging out with everybody and, you know, everybody's very nice people, really cool, you know, beautiful, treat me amazing. But on my last day, my aunt sat me down and showed me some different pictures and I was going through the pictures and going through the pictures and I literally saw a picture of this man. And... That was just the best feeling that I'd ever had in my life. I longed for this feeling of, of belonging, of, of a dad, man, and like nothing has ever been better than that than that feeling. Um, I really that meant that meant just it just meant the world to me. And you know, I still have those pictures. She took them to uh, a photo place and. And made copies for me. And now, you know, I have those, those pictures and I, I hold them dearly. Like I have them like in my drawer, like right there, you know, whenever I need to see them. And another time I went and had the opportunity to visit with my grandmother, his mom, and she gave me some more pictures. So that, that's actually my best, the best memory of my life so far. You know, I've done a lot of like amazing things and stuff like that. But number one thing to me was the time where I actually saw somebody that looked like me because that was just something that I always, always, always uh, wanted to, to have. And I finally got it. <laughs> so that was June 17th, uh, 2007. I got 21 questions. I might have 40 here. Uh, so here's some of the questions, some more questions from our actual uh, listeners. Uh, we have Mr. Tony on the phone right now. Tony, please uh, tell us. Are there any questions that you want to hear? Or do you have, what do you have to say to the Create Your Life Series family? Yeah, I mean, can you give me an idea of what it takes to run a show week to week, stay on topic? How do you address the, the needs and concerns of your constituents, of your audience? Okay, uh, let, let's, let's break that one down real quick, Tony. You said, how do we run a show uh, weekly, on a weekly yeah. basis? Okay, well, we run that show on a weekly basis. Um, myself and we actually have a five-person team, and you can see the team if you go to createyourlifeseries.com. But we actually, we have meetings. We have a schedule planned out. Uh, of all of the guests that we want and as the guests confirm and say that they that they want to be a part of the show and things like that then we actually go ahead and bring them in and we, we put them on the list so that's one aspect Sharice and I we plan weeks and months ahead on what it is what the content is that we're going to bring and then we also take in uh, advice and the things that our, our listeners want to hear so and what was the second part of your question how do you address the, the, the concerns of your listeners? Uh, how do you stay on point, on topic every week? Do you, oh. you reach out and, 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 and do questionnaires. How do you decide what you want to discuss each show? Well, we, we decide what we want to discuss each show by primarily staying, uh, sticking to our mission, which is, of course, to help people maximize their potential and results. But we, one of the biggest things for the Create Your Life series show is is that we want to make sure that we get the how. Why, how are people becoming successful? How do they stay successful and things like that? So we make sure that we stick to our mission. But the other thing is that we're always listening and asking questions to those who are listening to the podcast, um, for, to those who are DMing us and also those who are leaving messages on our Instagram page. So we take, we're taking audience feedback uh, at all times in order to make sure that we're hitting on those, those points that they need. Well, let me give you a little feedback right here. I think you guys are doing fantastic work. You're doing big things. Please keep it up. Will do. Thank you so much, Mr. Tony. Have a great night. You do the same. That was Mr. Tony on the line, and he definitely uh, wanted to know some things about how to run a successful show. And so, you know, he might have his own successful show one day, which would be a beautiful thing. And, you know, it's always a pleasure to be able to give some of that, uh, that advice and the how to somebody else. So back to some of these other questions that people, that our listeners in the Create Your Life series fam have asked. One of the questions is, what is your favorite music? Uh, To be honest, so that's like twofold, maybe even three. I love old school R&B, like Jodeci, uh, Keith Sweat, Johnny Gill, and even, even further back. But the other thing is, is after my time in South Africa, I am in love with house music. Like I just, I can't get enough of it. It's it's everything. You know, I just, I love those house music going to places where you can actually hear uh, that. And I actually got the opportunity to hear some Turkish hip hop one time. And I thought that that was really cool too. So I guess that leads us into one of these other questions, which is, what is your favorite place to, uh, to visit? What's the favorite, your favorite place that you've visited so far? And if I had to answer that question, I would say Johannesburg. People always ask me, why Johannesburg? I would say because of the people that I met there. You know, I stayed at Curiosity Backpackers there, but I really got the opportunity to go and hang out in the townships, really got the experience of a local, met some really amazing people. My good friend, Milan. Uh, my boy, uh, Ross, who's actually from England. Milan is from Josie. And Tipo, Beck, who are the, you know, the owners uh, Dudu from uh, Curiosity Backpackers. My guy, Mike, from Austria. Uh, Orky from Germany. I mean, I met all of these amazing people throughout South Africa who just made this experience that awesome. And... I would get a condo there. It was just, it was so cool. And we stayed in Maboning, which is an art district there and had the opportunity to go to some of the art expos. And I mean, I spent about 10 days in Johannesburg. So that's what really made the experience that amazing. And I know you guys, if you listened to our last episode, then you had the opportunity to hear uh, Mr. Tony Laurent, uh, CEO of Muscle and Bone. He talked about his experience in Johannesburg and that he loved it so much. And so the next question is, where, where do I want to go next? The answer to that question is, is that I want, would like to go to West Africa next. And I want to do many different places in West Africa. I would like to go to Ghana, of course. I want to see the, the slave castles there. I also want to go to Senegal. They have this huge statue in Senegal that I have to see up close and personal. Uh, the statue is a man um, with, holding, the, I believe, the hand of his wife and also his child on his, on his shoulder and they're pointing to the child is pointing to the future so i think that that is amazing so i have to see that in person i want to go to sierra leone i want to go to to the ivory coast i want to go to uh to nigeria so i have it. west africa is definitely on the list next i also want to go to ethiopia and eritrea and i would in maybe after those places then i think greece might be on there but definitely if i could sneak Joe... Johannesburg back in there, and probably another stint in Barcelona that would be everything to me. So those are the places that I, want to, uh, that I want to visit next. And as you know, it's always, always a pleasure to be abroad. And it's always humbling to be abroad as well because that's, you know, it really gives you an idea of what life is and, you know, the luxuries that you have. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want to actually tell you that, you know, we, as you know, we're listening to WACR 90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. And this is the Create Your Life series. And if you have any questions, any things that you want answered, any questions about creating your life, about how I created my life, then please feel free to call in 212 650 6903. Beautiful people, we are back. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm Kevin Y. Brown. And today we are answering questions from our listeners who want to know more about who it is that I am, and what is driving the Create Your Life series engine. So back to these questions. Hmm. What are you up to outside of the radio show? Outside of the radio show, I am traveling the world, uh, giving presentations, helping people maximize their potential and results, as well as doing uh, professional development trainings for uh, companies and uh, organizations around effective communication and leadership. And uh, coming up, I'll actually be doing uh, equity training around uh, diversity and cultural inclusion for uh, school districts in California. And, of course, running Debt Free College Academy, which is a all in one A to Z resource that teaches parents and students how to graduate from college debt free. And that's debtfreecollegeacademy.com. And. The other thing about that is is that I graduated college for free. And so this resource was created so that parents and students don't walk away with that $37,172 worth of student loan debt that, that is that the average student graduates with. So those are the things that I'm up to outside, uh outside of the show work wise. Also, you know, of course I like to, you know, to play sports, to work out and, you know, to kind of, you know, take it easy and, and laugh with with friends, spend time with good people beautiful people as you all are as well another question do you still desire to design clothes absolutely some days i just ask myself dude why don't you just go back and become a clothing designer and as much as i would love that and as much as i do love designing clothes i feel like this work is actually important and this is the work that actually helps people to become uh, better versions of themselves and so that has a little bit more weight with me, but I definitely would like to design clothes one day again. Uh, What is one of the most important lessons that you have learned? Hmm. I would say there's so many important lessons that you learn in life. I think one of the, of course, one of the biggest ones is that, you know, you are the brand that you say that you are, uh, that you create your destiny, but also you also control how you react to certain situations. And so being in control, at least for the most part, aspiring to and working on being in control and controlling, you know, not letting things get under your skin. I feel like that's that's a big lesson that I had to learn. Uh, Another one is that everyone has a story. And though and everyone has different challenges within their story. And so being able to understand. That somebody else might have a challenge that for you may be easy, but that doesn't mean that that challenge for them was easy. So for example, some people might say, oh my gosh, I could never have walked in your shoes as a foster care child you know, for your entire life living basically amongst strangers. But the truth of the matter is, is that I don't know that I could have handled living in a household with two parents. How would I have turned out? How would I have been? How, who would I be today if I didn't have my circumstances? Who would they be today if they were, grew up in different circumstances? It's only a guess. And so our challenges may seem different or, you know, the entrepreneurial journey, you know, it it may, we might, they might do a nine to five. I might be, I'm an entrepreneur, but just because they're doing things differently, you know, our conversations and experiences are different, but that doesn't mean that one experience is greater than the other. So that was a a huge lesson uh, that I learned and one that I actually appreciate because it helps me when I go abroad and I'm traveling in different places, it helps me to understand and to see people for, you know, as, as they are. And not to pass judgment or anything like that, but to respect them for what it is that they have going on and what it is that they've overcome. Because we're all fighting and striving to become the best that we can be. Uh, So next question, what's your favorite color and why? (laughs) My favorite color is gray. And I love the color gray because it's a non-color. It's a combination. And I always think of uh, seeing seeing the gray or thinking in the gray, thinking outside of the box. So that's what the color gray represents to me. Plus, there's all these cool different tones to it. And that really, really just makes, to me, that just makes everything awesome. I love the color gray. Just got an email from uh, one of our listeners, actually, uh, Chet Jason Perry. And uh, he said, hi, Kevin. Uh, Did you ever see the movie Antoine Fisher? This film really moved me. It sounds like your life may have some similarities with it. And uh, Chet, man, I really appreciate you uh, shooting us over that email right here, right now. And I will have to say, yes, I did see the, the movie Antoine Fisher. That might be the only time I shed a tear during a movie. And I shed a tear on the part where he says the poem about who cries for the little boy inside of me. And I saw this, I feel like I saw that movie, maybe I was about maybe 18 or 19. And that poem, man, it was... It was everything. Here it is, I found that poem. It goes, who will cry for the little boy, lost and all alone? Who will cry for the little boy, abandoned without his own? Who will cry for the little boy, he cried himself to sleep? Who will cry for the little boy, he never had for keeps? Who will cry for the little boy, he walked the burning sand? Who will cry for the little boy, the boy inside the man? Who will cry for the little boy who knows well hurt and pain? Who will cry for the little boy, he died again and again? Who will cry for the little boy, a good boy he tried to be? Who will cry for the little boy who cries inside of me? And that was by Antoine Fisher. So that that poem, the way that Derek Luke embodied the character and said that to Denzel Washington, at that point in my life, it just, that those words, and that understanding uh, had really, really, it resonated with me. And, you know, I, it was just, it was a, it was a truthful moment. And of course, since then, I've done like a lot of work on myself to, to grow and evolve as a person, but definitely that was one of the most powerful poems that I've, I've ever heard. Next question. Uh, what teacher in school made the most impact on you and why? The teacher that made the most impact on me in school, I would have to say one of them was definitely uh, Miss Wilson, who was actually the reason why I ended up going to college. She helped me through the entire uh, process. But the other thing is, I would have to say Mr. Henley, who was my eighth grade teacher. And Mr. Henley has such an amazing impact on me because Mr. Henley was actually from our neighborhood, from my neighborhood. I'm from the Country Club Crest in Vallejo, California. And if you are not familiar with the Country Club Crest, trust me, it's no Country Club. But Mr. Henley, he could actually, he taught history and history is my, one of my favorite subjects, probably because of Mr. Henley. But he literally knew the book front to back. And Henley was like, he, when he was younger, he was wild, but he got it together. Ended up going to college, graduated. I believe he went to Howard University, got his master's. But very, very intelligent brother. And as kids, we used to always talk about each other, so we call that sigging back home. And so we, me and my friends, we always we'd be sigging on each other, and then we'd be sigging on Mr. Henley too. And then Mr. Henley, he'd say something and just shut the whole room down. I remember one time I was, I tried to sig on him because Mr. Henley, one of his teeth, his teeth were, was brown and he had like a little gap. So, I, you know, I was talking about him a little bit. And uh, Mr. Henley, <laughs> he said, he said, oh, Kevin Brown, you got jokes today, I see. And he said, well, it's funny because you have such a big head and uh, I, I have a hook head. But when I was younger, I was really, really skinny. And so Mr. Henley says, but when you turn that, when you turn your head, the velocity in the room changes. And I'll never forget the whole class just bust out laughing at me. And I laughed too, because it was funny. But I'm like, man, this dude really just sigged on me. And it was cool, you know, because Mr. Henley, of course, there was no malice behind it. But, you know, he was, you know, he was cool. He could hoop, you know, he could teach us the history. And he related the history to us in a way that made it, um, that made it cool for us to be, interested in history. And so I did, that's when I learned like, you know, how to do current events. That's actually, he was my, my teacher in my senior year. And actually I rolled into his class and that's how I found out about 9-11 because he was my first period teacher. And we had found out what had happened here on the East coast. And that was in Mr. Henley's class, but he was always a great example of how you could be from the crest and actually still become successful and really you know, turn your life around and impact others. So I definitely have to credit Mr. Henley and also Miss Wilson with, uh, with being big influences on me. But another person who was not necessarily a teacher but was def- had a huge impact on me would be Mr. Fillmore Graham, who was the founder of the Continentals of Omega Boys and Girls Club, and also Mr. Pelton Stewart, who was uh, worked at the Boys and Girls Club, Continentals of Omega Boys and Girls Club, but also gave me a lot of influence and impact. And so back to these other questions. Uh... How do you spend your free time? I don't really have much of it actually, but I spend my free time, I would say, maybe working out, going for a walk, sometimes salsa dancing, looking up random things. I actually spend some of my free time watching The Best of Jerome, which is a character from Martin. It's like an 11 minute video on YouTube, but I find this video to be hilarious. And I think one of the funniest things about that video is that the actors can't really keep a straight face because they're having that much fun. And so I just look at that and I'm saying to myself, how does this guy, he's such an an expert and master of his craft that he's going into this studio and literally embodying this character from the voice to the the clothing, to everything. And he's being this guy, Jerome, this character. And I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. You know, (laughs) he's got this thing, he's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. If you know the song, sing along. And so he's doing all of these different things that become the character. And so every time you see him, you can expect this stuff. And he's, he walks in like Gina and Pam's apartment. He's like, uh, hit it. And then he, and then he starts doing his dance. And then he has this other part where he's like, Jerome's in the house. I say Jerome's in the house. Watch your mouth. Look at the white shoes, look at the white shoes. And he's wearing these like pleather, rubber looking white boots that make absolutely no sense. He's dressed ridiculously. But the funny part is, is that I remember older guys who actually acted like him, who had the perm, the perm afro with the gold tee, with the gold chains, with the small sweatsuit on trying to holler at all of the young ladies. So I definitely remember that. So I guess that's why it resonates with me so much. So I definitely spend my time watching that and also, you know, watching random funny movies. I like to keep it light. So I like adventure movies or uh, comedies. Uh, So what are my three favorite books? My three favorite books are, number one, What Makes the Great Great by Dennis Kimbrough. Uh, Number two, The Alchemist. And number three, The Power of Focus. Uh, Another question is, what do I take the most pride in? I take the most pride in, one of the things that I take a lot of pride in is being an African-American male. And the reason why I say that, number one, I think that anybody, whoever you are, you should take pride in yourself and and your, your cultural background. But one of my bosses said something to me a few years back that I'll never forget. And he said that one of the great things about being African American is, is that when people came over to get the slaves, they took the toughest and the best of the slaves from Africa. And then they brought them over on the boat. And only the toughest and the best, the toughest and the strongest, I would say, not the best, survived that journey over. And then we were here and we were in slavery for hundreds of years. And only the strongest and the toughest survived that. And then you had Jim Crow, and then you had the, uh, the, all of the things that surpassed and that, that have happened around us. And only the strongest and the toughest have survived. And even if you, when you fast forward to today, we're the descendants of those people, the strongest and the toughest, all the way from Africa four or 500 years ago. And to me, that's power. That's something to be proud of and to have pride in because now when I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I understand that I am the best of the best. I'm the cream of the crop because I don't believe that anybody has been uh, treated as poorly or as brutally as African-Americans. And so I take a lot of pride in that. That's one of the things that I really, really take a lot of pride in. Other question, what is a skill you'd like to learn and why? I want to freshen up and become way better with my uh, salsa dancing and also uh, with my with speaking Spanish. Those are two things that are two skills that I really, really wanna learn. Uh, why? Because I believe that you know, we all should definitely work on, should know more than one language. I feel like because you know you're a global citizen and you travel and things like that. You should know more than one language so that you can communicate in different ways with different people from other walks of life. So also dancing because I love I love dancing, partner dancing. It's actually fun and something that I pride myself on. And another question, how would your friends describe you? <laughs> oh man, I think they would describe me as silly, serious, definitely serious, uh, ambitious, determined, hungry. We have a saying back home, I'm oh, hungry like a short-mouthed wolf or like a homeless child. And that hunger is to become better and to make, make things happen. So I would definitely say that those are some of the characteristics that my friends would describe me as. You know, and at times, stubborn, because I'm not gonna take no for an answer. If it's something that I really, really want, then I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna make it happen. Gotcha. So here's some uh, other questions uh, from Autumn, actually. She asks, how has your upbringing shaped your journey? Hmm. I would say my upbringing has shaped my journey tremendously. It, it has helped me to understand that I could literally do whatever it is that I put my mind to. Because if, uh, if that wasn't true, then I wouldn't be here right now. So I would say that's one of the biggest things, biggest ways that it shaped me. It's also helped me to, under, to look at life through a different lens. So my lens is uh, oftentimes different from others because I have a unique experience that I feel like only foster care children really, really can relate to. But with that, it helps me to be empathetic and uh, open to seeing things from other views from, from other people, their views, because I have to understand that everybody doesn't have my uh, my experience. Uh, another question, were there any moments where you se- struggled with self-doubt? If so, how did you deal? Uh, man, many, many times, even in, in my, you know, you, you sometimes you, you know, you question, wow, can I really do this? Am I really talented enough? Am I dope enough to make this stuff happen? You know, you're going to question yourself, but at the end of the day, I've purposely put myself in a position where I can't turn back. You know, like I I said earlier in the show, I don't have a a family to to go home to like that. So there's only one way to move forward. So let's say I, I am frustrated or, you know, I want to have a pity party. Well, it can't last long because I know that I have to literally pick it up and move forward. Plus, I have this burning desire in me. That, you know, that fear is driving me. I don't ever want to be, I don't want to be an old man and not have maximized who I am and my potential and, and the experiences that I could have had. So when, when, when I feel those challenges, you know, I might call my God brother and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or am I you know, I have to ask my friends, what do you think about, I mean, this is trusted people who I know have my best intentions. And I'm asking them, oh, am I, you know, am I dope? And they, they'll tell me, like, you know, they'll keep it real with me, not, like, trying to blow my head up, but because, because I'm so hungry, because I want to become successful, I have success amnesia. I don't sit and boast about my past accomplishments or the things that I've done. So, therefore, every day that I'm waking up, it's kind of like a, okay, I might have done, might have done something amazing yesterday. I might have had a, a blowout speech and just rocked a crowd of a 1,000 people. But the next day, it's like it didn't happen because I have to be hungry, and so I'm looking to work, super hard for the next speech. So therefore, I sometimes have to check in with my friends, like, you know, ask, you know, like, what, do you, what do you think about what it is that I'm doing? What do you think about what it is that I've accomplished? And they'll remind me of who, who I am and some of the things that I've accomplished. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because I often think, hey, you know, if I'm doing it, anybody could host a radio show. Anybody could write a book. Anybody could make an online course where, that teaches parents and students how to graduate college debt-free. Because in my mind, anybody can but you have to be willing to sit down and go through your learning curve and actually do the work and stay focused. And when it's not sexy, it doesn't look pretty. You still have to stay there and grind it out. And you have to be a tough critic on yourself. But at the end of the day, you have to know. And in the back of my mind, I always know. And I tell myself, I'm the one. If it's going to be one out of 50, I'm going to be the one. If, I'm, if I have a different opinion and there's 50 people in their room, I'm not afraid to stand up and voice what the difference is or what it is that I feel is, is the right thing. How, how difficult, another question, how difficult was it for you to leave where you came from? To leave where I came from was very easy. I hated my life growing up. I was out. It wasn't difficult at all. You know, at that point, the point I was 18, you know, my older sister had left when I was 10. I'd been on my own for, for eight years. So leaving Vallejo, easy, because I wanted a different life. I wanted to, to live on my own rules. Uh, what was my motivation to, to leave where I came from? Just to get, to get out of there, to create my own life, to move far away and do what it was that I wanted to do, to live on my own terms. What were some of the responses from your peers and uh, people who you grew up with once you left? That is interesting. Uh, sometimes, you know, the, you have different responses. Some people, you know, they hate. You know, they mad at you for for switching it up. You know, I'm not, I don't care about Air Jordan tennis shoes and, you know, talking about trivial things like uh, gossip and stuff like that. That's not that's not my thing. So because we're into different things, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, you've changed and, and things like that. And I'm like, well, you know, I was going to have to, you know, in, in order to evolve. Some people show a lot of love, a lot of love, especially, you know, some of my mentors and things like that. You know they're definitely very happy, and to see them happy because of all of the time and things like that that they've put poured into me is definitely a blessing and, and it's humbling, you know, and is what something that I strive for was to to make them happy and make them feel that their the effort that they gave to me was was not in vain. So you know, I mean, I've had different situations where you know people have had little smart things to say, but then you have to realize that. You know, we're different type of people at this point. We grew up the same or grew up in similar, you know, the same neighborhood, went to, caught the bus to school every day, got into trouble together and things like that. But we're no longer the same type of men. So for those people who who might have negative responses to what it is that I'm doing and a contribution that I'm making, those friendships, I, they had to be 86. So they're they're done. And... How did you avoid getting caught up in the same circumstances that you were born into? Biggest thing was, number one, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of afraid of, I was afraid of the girls growing up because I didn't want to have any kids. So I kind of like, for the most part, stayed away from them. I mean, I had friends who were girls, but so definitely didn't want to have any early, uh, early like, um, Kids early on, or any teen pregnancies or anything like that. That was one of the ways. And then also there was a cycle going on in my neighborhood. So when we used to play uh, football in the neighborhood, the older kids used to be the quarterback for us, and so we would just run routes. And we used to play tackle, like hitting each other into the cars, all of this stuff, like really physical. But walking up and down the street used to be drug dealers, prostitutes, and you know, and junkies. And so we, I literally watched. The older kids become, and they, the older kids, they would talk bad about the junkies and the prostitutes and, and, and all the time as they were walking by and things like that, like really disrespecting them. And so I'm observing this. And then as I became the older kid who could play quarterback, the kids who were older than us, who used to be the quarterback, they became the junkies and the prostitutes. And so I definitely wanted to make sure that I didn't become a result of that. So that's why we call it circumstance, and when we say it's the circumference. And if you don't take a stance, then that circle will always be a revolving door. So I took that stand, you know, for up to the circumference, and that's why you know my circumstances are different because I didn't want to be within that cycle. And our last question: What do you value about yourself and where you came from? Hmm. I value. I, I value myself overall, and I value the fact that I've made it this far. And I want to see things. I want to see uh, better results for myself, and for my for my peers, and for those who are working with me. And what was the last part. What do I value about where I came from? I value the experience because after going through foster care, after having all of those, I guess you could say. I mean, after having all of those undesirable experiences of growing up, it makes life as an adult easy and it makes things easy to adapt to. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you uh, that pretty much concludes the Create Your Life series for today. And if you have any questions for us, please email us at admin at legacythinkinglabs.com at us on Instagram uh, at CYL Series. This is the Create Your Life series. Enjoy yourself. Have a beautiful weekend. And we are so happy to have you with us every Sunday from 5 30 to 6 30 p.m. This episode of the Create Your Life series is brought to you by Manna's Soul Food a Salad Bar Restaurant in Harlem, New York. Manna's is open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Manna's has been serving soul food in Harlem for 31 years. They have now added healthier options to their 8th Avenue locations menus such as steamed dumplings and fresh salad bar and all of the food is cooked with fresh herbs like garlic, rosemary, thyme, basil and ginger. You can find out which location is close to you by visiting their website, soulfood.com.